The Multiverse Fundraiser is a virtual fandom jamboree and a charity fundraiser all rolled into one package. This year, we've teamed up with Comic Books for Kids to raise funds for their cause. Comic Books for Kids is a charity that provides child-friendly comic books to children in hospitals and cancer centers across the U.S. On January 25th through 28th, we'll be providing both pre-recorded and live Comic-Con-style content to include celebrity, comic, and writing guests that include Santiago Cirillo, Kevin Caliber, Shannon Farnan, Bob Hall, Stuart Sager, Mike Mayhack, Jeff Johnson, Marthias Wade, and John Jackson Miller. Visit www.themultiversefundraiser.com for more information and instructions on how to both tune in and contribute. Remember, we're not just raising funds for a good cause, we're raising fun. Hey friends, I'm Ash. I'm Elle. We are Lovey Cosplay. This is Shenanigans Cosplayers Say, and we are bringing you the last episode of season four. That's so weird. I know, we somehow made it. It's been a rough, been a rough year, but we made it. I'm just, what, what is this whole season five thing? I know, we're in season five, where the hundredth episode will appear. 100th episode. So strange. A hundred so weird. episodes. I feel like when we started talking about a hundred episodes, we never actually thought we were going to make it to a hundred episodes. And yes. now we're like, well, <laughs> well, darn. Now what? Now what? <laughs> now what? That's a future Ellen Ash problem, though. So yes, we don't we don't hit the hundredth episode to like June. It's fine. This is totally fine. It's fine fine uh is it fine executive producer oh so now that i'm talking directly to you you're not not gonna talk now anymore okay that's fine he can just interject in the background whenever he wants to he had words for us but now we do not have them (laughs) or he's just gonna do it when we're talking and then be quiet when we're quiet yep that's that's sounds about right checks (laughs) out so we are going to bring you what has been a somewhat anticipated episode. We have the great guesting experiment today. So today we are going to talk about our adventure in actually purposely submitting to conventions um, what we learned and what we can tell you about being a convention guest. But first in... But first... You know, our normal fashion, there was yet another international cosplay contest. Holmat hosted the Winter Cosplay Championship oh. right before Christmas in the United States. Oh, right before Christmas. In Florida. Christmas. I'm so mad because it's on Christmas weekend again next year, which means guess who doesn't get to do internationals? It's me. And Ash. But we already knew you probably weren't going to be able to do it. It's because I'm down to fewer Christmases than I used to have. <laughs> but my yes, family was already Christmases. planning a Christmas for that weekend by the time this past one was over. So it's just not going to be a thing. So that's the worst. And unfortunately, no NCC for me, which was my plan. 
um, is to do in CC, but it's not it's not going to happen. So I'm mad about it, and I need to reassess my priorities for costuming this year. But it's fine. It's fine, because now we have a ton of new reps because they added more contests. I thought you were going to say you needed to reevaluate your priorities and well, pick Hallmat pick over Christmas. It's, it's hard when Hallmat <laughs> has, like, what, five of them now? Um, There's so much. So it's very tempting. Um, well, and the really nice thing about Hallmat's contest is even outside of the actual, like, international contest qualifiers, they also have, like, their cultural exchange program that sends you to other countries, which is really cool. Our first one is the Nordic Cosplay Championship, which takes you to Sweden. This year, the United States is actually eligible to compete. So last year, we were an observer nation, which meant that we weren't actually eligible for an award, but we were able to come and observe and participate. So what you're saying is that Sarah went and was on her best behavior and the Hallmat paid all their bills? (laughs) Okay. Um, So (laughs) Chickapee performed as Princess Tutu from Princess Tutu. The runner-up was Luna Lady of Light. From that time, I was reincarnated as a slime. GCOF's back. So GCOF is the duo performance competition that takes you to Korea. Um, this was Restar Idol as Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. The runner-up was Abradorable and Charmander Koss from Monster Hunter. ACG, the Extreme Cosplay Gathering. Is K Cosplay and Matsumi1908. They did Phantom of the Opera. It's stunning. Um, you may remember that K was the representative for GCOF 2023 with her partner, Sailor Peter Fox. So, congrats again, K. The dress oh, is stunning. You, gotta go look. you just got to go look. It's amazing. Um, it was runner really up. I saw the pictures. Is Team ICL. 2024 Jay-Z cosplay and so excited cosplay and they did fate so they were close to representing us twice in one year that sounds like a terrible that would have been I couldn't even ECG is literally like two months before ICL like this is fine I still do it I mean I mean I would too but um the cosplay international foreign exchange this year takes you to Spain um, and this was Alpaca Ash, and they did a costume from Castlevania. The Cosfest Singapore duo. So what this is, is Cosfest offered three guesting spots. One set for a duo and then a solo. So the duo is Gold Chickadee and Aestheticus, and they did Final Fantasy fourteen. And then the solo is Omitsuki, and they did um, Black Butler. So that was our international winners from Holmat. Congratulations to all the teams. Uh, I will live vicariously through you as I don't get to do any international preliminaries next year. And I'm still mad about it because then I thought about home, uh, Yoma and Yoma's not going to work either. So unless something drastically changes with how time off is going to work for me next year, Yoma doesn't work either. I mean... <sighs> Guess it's time for polymanga. Depending <laughs> on which uh, which form you're on, people might make jokes about Yoma occurring in halls. So. Well, apparently, according to their most recent post, they are occurring next year. So, in what capacity and when we don't know, 
Um, sure. But we'll see. I know I'm skeptical about Yoma, Yoma happening with Yoma. Oh, <laughs> oh, God. No. We don't need literally all of our internationals at one contest. Like, oh, no goodness, thanks. Goodness, goodness. No thanks. Um, this is so. fine. So instead, we might just end up with a little bit more guesting since I can't, you know, do any internationals. You know, I mean, it could happen. We don't know. We don't. And know. it's not a it's not a bad problem to have. It's not. It's not a bad problem to have. So guesting is something we get asked about frequently. We've been doing it on and off since 2015 was our first like judging appointment. So our first like sort of guesting appointment that we've had. Um. So over last you know less than 10 years, we've done a lot of different types of work for conventions different types of guesting for conventions and it's something that comes up a lot and up until this year we've never actually really bothered to try to submit to anything um it's just always been like if somebody contacted us then we would do it like it wasn't we weren't really seeking it out we were like okay let's see what happens if we try to contact conventions is it going to change anything or is it going to be exactly the same as what we would have ended up with anyway? So, spoiler um, alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway, anyway you'll see. On. <laughs> this was kind of done in chunks because we did hit a point where we had enough cons that we were willing to do that we stopped submitting for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, for like a certain chunk of time because it was like, right, fall's too bit busy, so I'm not submitting any more conventions. Um, so the number submitted up to May was 33, and then the number submitted since September has been seven. So some of these are already for 2024. Out of those, so about 40, out of those, we got eight responses. And Which I um, would actually consider, like, a fairly high return. Yeah. Like, that's actually, more than that I was, was expecting. Way more than I expected. I didn't expect people to respond at all. Um, which we'll talk about a little bit. Because you, f- you figure that's what, like, 20% yeah. actually yeah. responded. Right. And uh, then yeah. um, since January, I have submitted three, which were all requested contacts. So they are current contacts that we already have or were requested by someone for us to send to a convention that they work with. Um, and we have had so far one come to us since 2024. Because so, yes, so I literally submitted these like on the first and we had somebody come to us like two weeks before about a convention um, this winter. So what did we book for 2023? We booked three conventions. So we booked RegiCon, which was the convention done at the university, Planet Funk Con and Colossal Con North. We have one contract for 2024, which we will tell you about at the end of this episode. And pending for 2024, we currently have four pending, one booked. We also have a booking that is held over from possible booking that was supposed to happen in 2023, and they may or may not consider us for 2024. Two of our bookings for this year were continued contracts. We had a connection to all the conventions we've booked, all of the... Ones that we booked, we had an inside connection to. And then seven out of eight of the responses that we got were rejections. One actually rejected us and then came back. (laughs) I mean. Yeah. Of course, you're all probably wondering, did anyone actually respond to our emails? Kind of like Ash said, we didn't expect anybody to respond. 
you would expect no one to respond to you honestly yeah, with like, the number of horror stories that i've heard and just the sheer number of submissions i'm sure that people get yeah you would expect no one to respond because they don't have time to respond to you you know we had some responses that were kind of weird like we had one respond to us with a no and then contacted us like months later and was like well actually maybe you could do this con instead it's like oh, okay some of the responses were auto-generated so it was really like they clicked a box and it sent you like a form letter that said thanks I but no like thanks i feel like that's better than nothing it's better than nothing it's at least courteous to be like hey um the one i think about is uh momo momo con sends you one like almost immediately when you're rejected just to be like thanks no thanks it's like well that's nice that they do that at least you know and you're not sitting there, like, wondering whether or not you need to hold space in this holiday weekend. <laughs> yeah. And then we had, like, a couple respond but not do anything. Or, like, respond in a weird way. Like, I have no idea who I'm talking to. Like, you know, if you're going to respond to an email, you probably should say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm from. And this is what I do. You know, I have this question for you or X, Y, Z, because sometimes we would just get really random things back and we had no idea who we're talking to, like no signature, no anything. We had no idea. And those responses were typically from like small nonprofit conventions where the larger for profit cons had much more like professional responses back. So this is just something to consider if you are responsible for booking talent that you may want to respond in a more professional manner even if it's smaller talent so it's one of those where like if you're like oh well if i was talking to a vo i wouldn't do that why are the cosplayers not worth the respect as well because that's usually the thing i'll get is oh well if i was talking to a vo i wouldn't do that my favorite was the one that just responded where are you located and then never responded ever again oh yes with no name no anything i had no idea who was emailing us (laughs) why don't you give us information stop creeping on me Base information as we go into this, what we typically ask for at a baseline is something along the lines of badge, hotel, food, travel. Um, And then we typically have a fee of services, especially if we're being hired as entertainers, because there's a fee of services rendered for the type very, of service it's that very, you are very asking reasonable. for us, which is extremely reasonable. We need to raise our rates, but, you know, because there's a lot that goes into prepping entertainment type content and being able to do things like hosting and and stuff of that nature that you don't have to do for judging judging is very much a job where you show up and do your job and the job only exists at the convention and entertainment there's a lot of work that exists prior to the convention so yes but it's important to note that for negotiating you can always go down but you can't go up start with like your ideal and then you can always back down now i have noticed though that conventions are sometimes really bad at understanding the fact that negotiation exists um, and they'll just see the price tag and go, yeah, no. Well, that's because a lot of a lot of conventions are run by non-business people. Yes, which is probably why we've had better luck with for-profit conventions. Right. And larger shows just in general. And larger shows, larger, more established shows, because they do understand that you can negotiate and that there's different options in there. So did we start a negotiation and have it not be completed? Oh, yes, absolutely. We had... What, three of those this year, I think? Probably. I believe three. That's start. Yeah, we had three that started. One of them was one we probably weren't going to do anyway. They had a change of management, and so that changed the the possible booking. The other two were cost. 
So one wanted nine hours of programming and waited till one month before to tell us that they were going to pass. Um, and then another one was kind of a similar situation. We actually had to end up basically terminating the process because we were very close to the convention and they still hadn't made a decision and it involved a lot of travel. And we just couldn't, with the way our jobs are and, you know, toddler and everything, we couldn't, there wasn't, we weren't going to be able to last minute make the decision to go to this convention. So we had to cut the cord on that one and be like, we're sorry, but if you don't know by this date, we're not going to be able to make it. It's just not reasonable for us with, you know, life. Mm -hmm. And it was very close to the convention. I felt like it was a reasonable amount of time, but yeah, we gave them until the, what we felt was the last possible second. And it was one of those things we talked about the deadline actually for a long time before we finally gave it. And it was like, all right, well, we think that this is probably what they're going to want to do, but we can't wait that long because that's only going to give us this turnaround time. And then we had other shows to also consider and other time off to also consider. Ultimately, we were not able to apply for those other shows because we held space for this show, which is something we'll talk about later. It's not holding space for shows that we haven't signed because mm -hmm. we missed out on other shows by holding space for shows this is why you never announce an appearance for a convention until you have signed a contract for real ever i don't care how guaranteed you think this booking is i don't care if you've worked for them for five years in a row it's never a guarantee do not announce a booking until you have signed a contract and even after you've signed a contract, make sure you have permission to announce your booking. Because um, we actually, the one we will talk about at the end of this episode, um, we had to wait until they announced us. Because otherwise we were not allowed to say that we were doing the work that we're doing. So, gotta follow the rules. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that has a lot to do with, um, especially places with good media coordination. They want to be able to write the narrative essentially and it's better if it comes from the event first instead well, yeah. of from the talent then which you know i totally get official and not you know also also that. right yeah yeah for sure would would we guess more if we went back to doing this for free yeah but i don't want to work for free oh, anymore thank you well and my problem was never not making money my problem was always paying well, because right. us, quote unquote, working for free was doing, you know, like probably close to 20 hours of work plus traveling, maybe getting a hotel room out of it, but having to pay for literally everything else. And I just I'm like, I don't want to use my PTO and spend hundreds of dollars every time we go to a con to work all weekend. Like, no, thank you. If I'm going to do that, I'm just going to attend your convention. Yeah, I'm just going to go to a con and I'm going to do programming or do a contest or hang out with my friends. I don't I don't need to pay to work all weekend. I could work all week at my job and get paid. Well, right. Like if you want what we offer, you need to pay us. That's just how it is. We are at that point. Um you know, we need you to pay us. Um, so compensation is always a question that people have. And one of the things that 
conventions love to try to give you as compensation is a table. And if you've listened to our episodes, you know how much we hate having a table. There's a reason why I don't do artist alleys anymore. In a lot of cases, you don't make enough money on a table to actually pay any of your expenses. Well, and I think I think a table can be good compensation for the right type of guest. Well, right, exactly. But we are not that type of guest. We are not. So if you have like, you know, a home business or something for cosplay or, you know, you do commission ooh. Yes, sir. You do commissions, you have like certain materials you can sell, it might be appropriate. But if you're judging, you're never gonna be at your table. So how do you make any money? Well, and you're not going to make as much money if you are not at your table. That's just a fact of life. Well, right. So you having an assistant or just a sign up is not doing anything compared to you actually physically being there and interacting with your fans. Because typically having a table requires you to bring an assistant who can babysit your table while you're doing your work. But you should be paying that person. <laughs> So that also cuts into your bottom line. Right. So like when we have an assistant, we compensate them. If you're not going to make much off the table, it may not even be worth like having. That's why we decided like the meet and greet at North isn't worth it. Um, We made more money in our 30 minutes during our live show than we did for the entirety of the meet and greet. It's not worth it. Like it's not worth the time. It's not worth the amount of money that we made. So just not going to do that again. You know, you have to consider the size of the convention as well. You know, bigger convention, the more likelihood that table is going to be worth something. Like, we typically will make something if it's in a place that knows us or knows the podcast. Particularly when, especially when you're judging, it's worthless to have a table. You're not there. So if the table is intended to pay for your expenses, it's probably not going to. I don't mind tables when they're just one place where you can go and hang out and, like, people can find you. Like, that doesn't bother me. Like, I know there's some cons I've been to that will have guest tables all set up in the same space. And then you just kind of set your own hours. And that seems to work really well because then everybody knows when you're going to be there. Well, and if you're a certain level of guest, a table may be valuable. But as a cosplayer, you're going to have to be a really high level. Like, way up there to make money off prints to make a table worth it. Uh, like if people people want to buy your prints or your books or your tutorials or your patterns or your little knickknack crafts that you happen to make because they're fun because they like what you do and they like you as a person or your persona that you give off or whatever yeah. you know they like the celebrity you and want to support you in those endeavors that's great but if you have no notoriety like Selling prints for somebody that doesn't have a following isn't going to really do anything because most people aren't going to buy the print just because they like your character or your pose or whatever. They're going to do it because I like this person and this happens to be a picture of them. And if they're physically there, they can get signed. Yeah. That's why the only prints that we sold were of Phil. I mean, it's Phil. Let's be honest. Uh, they weren't technically the only prints that we sold, but most of the prints we sold were of Phil. 
Right. But, but who does not want photos of Phil? I am a bit biased because I was there when they were taken. But. I mean, right. They're pretty great photos of Phil. You guys will find out on Valentine's Day what these uh, photos are like. At least Phil's one of them. Special. Phil has a special treat. He does. He does have a special treat. Um, so, like, for us, we, because we do programming, tables just don't work as compensation for us. Um we're just too busy. And tabling doesn't always have like, a direct correlation of follower count anyway. So if you're like, well, if I'm out here and I have this table, I'm going to get more followers. I have never, for us, I've never seen a correlation. I've seen more of a correlation to do us doing programming and follower count. So I don't think it makes a massive difference for most people to have a table for that either. So contract. I think the only, pe- I think the only people that really benefit as far as like the direct correlation from follower count to having a table are going to be the people that you're going to find like that society finds conventionally very attractive. Yes. I could see those numbers playing well, where if somebody comes and they see you, they think that you're beautiful or sexy or whatever it might happen to be. They're like, yes, I like looking at you as a person. I think you are very attractive. I would like to do more of that. That I can see being a direct correlation because then if they go and follow your page or whatever platform you happen to be using, they will get more of that content and get to see you more frequently. Yeah. So for our, you know, visual artists, our TikTok artists, our particularly those who do the 18 plus persuasion, yeah, it's going to be beneficial because people want to Mm -hmm. visually see more of you. Now, I mean, we always get a tick in downloads after cons. And usually we do for Instagram and stuff, too. But um, downloads are pretty much. But it makes sense that we would get downloads because we offer programming and people want to hear us talking and they want to hear what we have to say and they like the jokes that we make and they like the content that we bring and they like the research that we do. That makes sense. Contract? Everybody wants to know. How does this contract thing work? So for convention privacy, we are not going to tell you what each con gave us or how their contracts work. We're not going to do that. You should know better by now. Yeah, that's private to each convention. However, we can tell you some things that we know about contracts. So what we've learned from just this past, like, two, three years since returning and doing some, you know, more mainstream events and our more famous friends, quote unquote, um, it's actually pretty normal for conventions to wait until four to eight weeks prior to the event, particularly for cosplayers, to solidify a contract. Now, <laughs> this is really hard because if you are not a full-time cosplayer or entertainer, you have to work around a full-time job. Yes. So it, this makes it very difficult for us. My PTO is very weird, as we've talked about before. But I also have the problem if if I take a day off and don't need it, I still have to take the day off once I put it in. That's just how they like to do things. And I can't wait until two weeks before to take time off either, because then it's considered past the it's considered um late notice time off and we get penalized for that. So I can't wait till four weeks before to submit time off. It's just not um, the way my work likes to do things, it's just, it's really hard to pull that off when you aren't a full-time cosplayer and this isn't your job or a full-time entertainer. 
And this wasn't as big of a deal when we were judging. It is a much bigger deal now that we are performing. Yes. Um, because we also need to know what we're doing earlier than four to eight weeks prior to the convention. Like, if we're doing specialty programming, if we're hosting, if we're doing, like, one of our shows, if we're running the variety show, we we need... There's so much pre-con preparation that goes into it. Yes. That we need to know what we're doing sooner than four to eight weeks before. I also just don't like working on stuff when I don't know if I'm going to have to do it or not. Uh, well, it's one of those things. It's putting things in order of priority. If I know I have six panels that I would like to write in the next six months, but I'm still waiting to find out which one I'm actually going to be doing next, I can put some work into all of them. But at some point, I'm going to have to finish one of them before I can move on to something else. Right. Or if we're going to be doing a performance, do I have something to wear for that? Am I wearing something that I already have? Do I need to make something? Do I need to alter something? Do I need to fix something? Do I need to two-day drop ship something to my house? Like, those are all considerations that need to be. And then what if that initial plan doesn't work? What if we have to record audio and we're sick and coughing and uh, have that happens frequently. or well, you know, and, whatever. Well, and as we build our our repertoire, this becomes a little bit easier. Um, we now have like a set slate of shows we can do and panels that are completed sure. and you know a couple performances that we can pull out on short notice if we have to. Um, but the more preparation we have the better quality you're going to get from us. And also, just in general, like the more that we can tell people that we're going to be doing the thing, the more that we can hype it and the more attendance that we will get for that programming. Well, and that's the hard part is by the cons waiting till four to eight weeks before, typically we're not, like nobody knows we're going to be at the convention. Like we can't, especially now, and this is more important when the con is in the like local regional. So like Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, where people will come to see our programming. Like that's where we are best known, you know, in the convention circuit. It's a benefit to the convention to announce us early. There's been plenty of times that we've said, hey, we're going to come and we're going to do this thing. And then somebody inevitably goes, ah, if only I would known that you were going um, that happened a lot with the variety show, honestly. There were a oh, lot yeah. of people that were like, had we known sooner, we would have auditioned for that. So ideally, we'll have early, earlier notice in the future for, for that type of a show. That's our big one. That one's really, really hard to do if we don't know three months before because I need to release auditions for it. So it's very difficult because then obviously the people who get in are going to want to know because you get a badge and, you know, so and they want to be able to prep they have to do all of the prep. Well, and I'd love to thing. have, you know, the auditions open and leave them open for a month. So if people want to create something new, they can and then submit it. Whereas mm -hmm. when I had to give like two weeks, it had to be something people already had that they could show me they could do. Because there was no time for them to submit something new. Like that wasn't an option. You know, it's just that's kind of how it is. And the earlier we start. Work and, and just because a con like announces us close to the convention doesn't mean we haven't been contracted and working on things prior to. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it just depends on the convention. 
Well, in like some places, you'll sign your contract and figure out the programming later. <laughs> yes, which is kind of what we're trying to get cons to do for us now is be like, I know that you don't want to sign this till you know specifically the exact programming we want, but how about you just sign this for the number of hours and then we can figure it out later so we have that like, we know we're going to this con on this time period and we won't book something else on top of it then. Because we did a lot of placeholding and it kind of screwed us out of other events for when Well, there's the- nothing that says that you can't do it later like if we say we're gonna run six hours of programming or whatever and you decide you really need seven it's not like we can't do a little addendum to the contract but at least you have like a placeholder contract so that there's an agreement signed agreement in place that we are doing your convention and this is roughly the amount of programming you want from us we don't book something else you know, we don't miss out on something because we were waiting for your con. We are not placeholdering anymore. It's just, it's not, it's not great. We had a couple of those we did that for, and then it was really frustrating when they didn't go through. So, mm-hmm. not, not going to do it anymore. Um, and part of it was because we were really excited about it. But, I mean, ultimately, it just, it didn't pan out. Yeah, the one in particular we were really excited about, and it just didn't happen. And, I mean, it is what it is. I don't, they had to do what they had to do. We had to do what we had to do, but it would have been neat. It would have been fun. Maybe next time. We'll leave the Midwest at some point. It'll be fine. Um, (laughs) But this is why you never announce a convention until you have signed a contract. You also don't want to do it because if you announce yourself and then they can like just throw whatever contract they want at you and it might be terrible and I know a choice. Same reason why you don't let a convention announce you before you've signed a contract. Because we've had cons do that to us before, too. And it's like, no, no, we haven't signed anything yet. You can't announce us. You can't go on our social media, steal our bio, our photo, and announce us. We haven't signed a contract with you yet. My favorite is when they pick a picture that has one of us in it with somebody else. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. (laughs) You could just ask. That was not one of the promo photos we gave you. Um, Yeah. There's a reason why we gave you the photo that we gave you. Like, or yeah. didn't because we hadn't signed the contract Just yet. Don't, don't give them these things before you've signed something. Like, I won't give a con our photos or our bio or anything until the contract's been signed. I don't care how many times they ask us for it. I won't do it because we did it once and then it screwed us over. So I won't do it. Like, I'm not going to do it. But the problem with announcing yourself as a guest and then they like, decide to backtrack like you're gonna look like a fool you're like i'm gonna be guest and then they're like no you're not well now you look really just silly kidding. so <laughs> yeah don't do it but don't give them things and we've had cons go we don't want we don't do contracts for cosplayers then you don't book us because i would cons be easy. like we don't do contracts for our judges because we just give them a badge i don't care i want a contract i want a contract that says i get a badge I want it in writing because we have shown up to cons before and not gotten what we prom- were promised. Yes. I want it in writing. We've been overworked by conventions that did not do actual contracts with us. We talked about that in our respect episode. Yes, we want it in writing. We made a whole big old list. So the big question that everyone always has for us is how does a cosplayer with low social media following and no awards in major contests such as like Twitch, Crown, or WCS book convention guesting events? Are y'all ready for this? The secret you've all been waiting for, don't be a cosplayer. That's it. 
I mean, that's that's our secret is don't be a cosplayer. Be a cosplayer. You just don't want to be booked as a cosplayer. Yes. I mean, the second we stopped trying to be booked as cosplayers and judges is when we started booking conventions. Look at this wide, wide world out here. I know. Once we started trying to book as entertainment, no problem. No That's problem. weird. There are some reasons for that. Conventions value entertainers higher than cosplayers. That is likely because there are less people that can provide the service um, to the quality that you need. There are just more cosplayers that can provide crafting and judging than there are people who can provide entertainment for conventions. Another part of that is that entertainers are going to be appealing to a wider demographic than just cosplayers. Yes. So we fill a larger portion of the convention need than a strictly cosplay guest. Um, and if, if you're picking entertainers, well, you're picking people that are going to have things that are very unique to them that requires them to be successful. So, like, we, we've had people try to copy shit cosplayers say. We've had multiple people try to copy it, but they're not us. It's not going to be the same. I mean, it's also why we don't typically release any video of what we do, because we're trying to keep people from copying it, but people have tried. Also, you it's know. an experience. And it is an experience. You need to be there, really. And you will see, like, there are crafters who have their own version of, like, our entertainment repertoire. Um, you'll see it in workshops a lot. So some people just have really specific types of crafting workshops that they do. Those are even easier for people to copy than like our entertainment programming because the techniques exist. So unless it's a technique that only exists because of that cosplayer, it is a technique that is out there in the world. They may, they're probably going to have a leg up if they have some unique way of doing something. Like I think about Ganoza and her painting. Like her painting techniques are kind of unique to her. So, like, that, in a way, gives it, like, a little bit of a step up. You know, if you have people like Hoku Props that are very well known for, like, their props workshop, that's going to give them a leg up. Um, or via people who have knowledge of really specific equipment, like HDC Fabrications, um, who does, like, really unique mold workshops and other uses other kinds of equipment that aren't readily available or known. Let's get lit. Um, <laughs> yes. So... You know, but it is easier to copy these workshops than an entertainer's programming because they're techniques that exist. So you can go learn how to tambour embroider and then decide you can do a workshop on tambour embroidery. Does that mean that you're going to do one as good as Casey Renee? Maybe not. But you you can do a knockoff of that just by learning how to do the technique. There's yeah, there's always can... an Ava foam workshop, a 3D printing workshop or panel. And a leather workshop or panel at literally every convention. I mean, it feels like it, yeah. And if they're not guests, the programming typically isn't being vetted for how good it's actually going to be. So, like, you can you can submit these workshops and be like, look, I can do a leather workshop at your convention. Yeah. You know, like, I can do this. Some of the people that we know, like Casey Renee, Down and Creative... You know, um, HTC fabrications, they get booked because of the quality of their workshops. Yes. So their workshops are very high quality. They're also very well known. So you combo the two together, and that's kind of their way that they do their guesting. You're going to find that for cosplayers, the big thing is that an entertainer's value isn't based on their social media following, 
the reason we're able to do this with only like 1700 followers on Instagram is that our value doesn't come pre-con. It comes at con. We we aren't booked as advertisement for a convention. Cosplayers are often hired to basically be cheap pre-advertisement for the con, which is why they want them to have like tens of thousands of followers. Mm-hmm. You know, and people I always think of are Zach and Jim, who are the MCs for Colossal Con. They're the MCs for Holmat. They're the MCs for ASEN. They're the MCs for AX, right? These are the huge cons in this country. They have no social media presence. None. It's big. None. It's busy. They have none. But they do over 10 conventions a year, and a lot of them are major conventions. They're booked because of who they are, not because of their social media. They haven't posted anything on their Facebook no, page they since don't, 2020. They don't use it. Like, so, they don't use yeah. social media. Like, I talked to Zach, and Zach's like, I just don't use it. Like, I don't care about the social media. Like, I don't use it. And But they get booked all the time. They have long, long, like, 10-plus year standing contracts with major conventions because their value yes. has nothing to do with social media. It has to do what they can do at the convention. And so that is why we get booked. Because our value has to do with what we can do at the con, not what we can do pre-con. Would a little bit better social media help us? Sure. But I'm also tired of spending my time trying to get our social media better because it's just not going to happen. We're stuck. We don't know why. It is what it is. I don't know what the algorithm wants. So. I mean, I feel like most people. I'm not going to spend my time trying to figure it out anymore. I'm just, I'm done. But the other reason we book, and I would say the major reason we book is networking. Yes, a thousand percent. I agree. So everything we booked, we would have booked anyway without submitting because they were all from established relationships with people who were in positions of influence at a convention. And even the convention that we thought we were going to book, but then like we had to say no, came from a connection because they came back to us when they realized we were connected to this person. And the convention that wanted a ton of programming that ended up like telling us four weeks before that we weren't going to be booked, we had no connection to. They contacted us. Networking. You need to meet the right people. Social media following or no social media following, that's how you get booked. It's all about who you know. And so a lot of people will ask on forums all the time, like, how do I get booked? I have big numbers, but I don't get booked. Well, numbers aren't enough. Only one part of the equation like does it help to get someone to look at you if you're like i have a hundred thousand followers on xyz sure sure oh, yeah it's, it's gonna Absolutely. get them to look at your account but ultimately you need to figure out what makes you unique as a guest especially if you're a cosplayer like what is gonna set you apart from all these other people besides your numbers because the pool even at that size at like a hundred thousand isn't as small as you would think it is thirty thousand is huge in the in the whole grand scheme of things, like con- cons are flying people in from other countries. So, I mean, what's going to make you stand out from these other people they could hire? Because then you also have to consider cosplayer wise. Are there high level, talented, decent social media following cosplayers who are local to this convention? What's going to make them want to fly you in when they could just take this person that's local? It already lives here. It already has a relationship with the attendees. Right. Well, like I always think of Georgia because Georgia is has the big film industry. Like oh, yeah. those cons in Georgia have zero reason to ever take anybody from not Georgia. 
or the close surrounding area because they have so many qualified people there. Um, Planet Comic Con is another one. I don't know what's up with Kansas City, but <laughs> they have so many like very qualified cosplayers in Kansas City. They don't need to have people come from other places unless they want to. Right. Because they have a ton of local people that are super highly qualified to do their cons. Yeah, there's no reason for them to just bring a bunch of people in. So especially if you're going to submit to something that isn't local, you really have to think about what's going to make them want to spend money on me to send me to their convention. Yeah, because at least if you're local, like, all right, we take a chance on this person. Like, worst case scenario, we're at a little bit of money for gas in a hotel room. A little bit. Maybe a table, because that's what we offer people. Yes, because they love to offer tables. We're talking about the difference between somebody driving a couple hours versus somebody getting on an airplane. Depending on where you're going, that that's huge. Oh yeah, I mean your your cosplay guest could cost you a couple thousand dollars. Right. Well, and not to mention the fact that you're making them bring cosplay because they're cosplay guests, and that's luggage that you have well, to. Well, exactly. For. Like you could spend two, three thousand dollars on one cosplay guest when it's all said and done Easy. because of Easy. you know hotel yeah. travel. So you have to think of what makes me worth that much money to this convention. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, yes, yeah, the cons are going to look at numbers, especially with cosplayers, because it's just an easy way to set people apart. Numbers, numbers really only matter depending on how your engagement is. But numbers also matter like. So sometimes you can have someone with like decent numbers, like 30,000 followers, but they bring them to a place where no one knows who they are. They don't necessarily have more value than the well-known local person that has two, three thousand followers. Because nobody knows who this person is. Like, they have high social media numbers, but no one knows who they are. Yeah, Because there's quite a few of those cosplayers where they have really high social media numbers, but no one knows who they are. You can also buy numbers. I mean, you can. Or you could have had that one thing, like, ten years ago go viral, and then... Especially on TikTok. All you need is the one thing. Those people aren't engaging with you. They don't know who you are. They're not interested in like continuing with that engagement. And so engagement makes a big difference. So like we are high engagement, low follower count. So our followers heavily engage in our content. Um, So we are what is considered a micro influencer. I will post the video from Geeks of Go-Go who did kind of coverage on like how, how micro influence works. But that's that's a category we fall into. So it's like the cons, I always just think it's interesting, the conventions that will book people from like all over the place that nobody knows, but it's these small cons. And it's like, you would have been better off booking the local person because they are going to bring people in to your event instead of the person halfway across the country that nobody knows because they're not in that like top 1%. So nobody knows who they are. They just have big numbers. Like you mentioned, like where we have a local following in like the Minnesota, Illinois, Wisconsin, etc. I mean, if you look at our top four cities, three of them are in those states. So like, absolutely. Those those places, they, they know us. That's where our that's where our people are that we engage with that download our episodes and follow our social media pages and comment on our posts and comment on our discussions that we have about those things. Well, and those are the spaces we've been able to frequent, but you will always see a, like, whenever we do travel, you'll see a big uptick in that area then 
like we do have quite a few listeners in Seattle now since we went to Seattle. So you will you'll see it. But because we've been able to frequent this region of the Midwest the most, that's been the most mm-hmm. consistent. Um, because it's local yeah. for us. So what we've learned is if we want to continue to guess for conventions, we just can no longer submit as cosplay guests. It's it's not it's not what we're doing either anymore. We're not. We're just not. I mean, everything that we're doing, most of it has nothing to do with cosplay. There's some weekends that we show up to work and don't wear cosplay at all. Or it just happens to be the clothes that we're wearing. I mean, we wore cosplay at North because we had to for the variety show. Because I don't know that I call our costumes for like, I mean, yes, technically they're cosplay for Bernanigans, but that's part of the show. It's so, part of the show. It's it's you know. a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I had to be in Harley because we were doing the variety show. So, but it wasn't because I'm a cosplay guest. It's because I was performing in the show and hosting performance. it. Yeah, we've done multiple events where we didn't wear costumes at all. Um, we don't, to our knowledge, have to wear costumes for any of our requirements at the convention we're going to talk to about at the end of this episode because we're not cosplay guests. So we're being booked at conventions to do entertainment, to host, to perform. That's what we're going to start submitting for. We're going to submit to programming departments instead of the cosplay department. We are hoping to start submitting under the production company and get a production company email because I hate to say it, but anything that says cosplay often gets thrown out because you're just another cosplay guest. So forwarded to the cosplay email department and, and then it dies in the sea. Yes. That is why a lot of cosplays are starting to take cosplay out of their name because they're trying to not get thrown out. So ideally, we're going to start submitting things as the production company because ideally we'll have a production company <laughs> if we ever get it done, if we ever get our LLC done. But that will ideally help us from getting thrown out. But as we also noticed, it didn't do we didn't really gain any benefit from submitting without contacts does it really matter because we can only do so many shows in a year because we don't do this full time right so it's not we're not trying to fill every weekend of no every month. no thank you no thank you i don't even really want one once a month but we're not doing great at preventing that so far i think we have our, one once our a problem- month in 2004, I think besides January, we have one once a month. In 2004, Possibly. that's adorable. Well, August. I don't think we have one in August. We do. No, we do. We don't have one in July. No, wait, I do. I might. Because I might go to Kitsune. But that's not a booking. That's a, I choose to do this because I want to. I know. But so. that's still a con weekend. It is still, and yeah. that's still nope, time nope. off. I think we have one every month. <laughs> so then, what is our plan for 2024? Well... You're probably not going to see us judging that much because we are going to be submitting as entertainers. And it's not that we have anything against judging. It's just there's a lot more people that can do it. And now the qualifications for judges, um, even at smaller conventions, are pretty high up there. You're seeing a lot of like semi-professional, professional cosplayers, high follower counts, um, won big international awards judging like your 3000 person convention we can't compete with that like we love judging but we really love programming i love programming i love doing programming like i miss nurturing the contestants but we kind of get to do that as hosts so it would be great if we could find a reoccurring host 
gig because we do like having that experience. And so it would be great if we could have like a convention that we return as hosts because obviously we didn't host at North, but you're probably going to see us start showing up anyway. Like things happen. <laughs> Unfortunately, our, our, our hosting at North did not reoccur, but we understand why that was a one-time thing. You know, we get it. So that was expected. Yeah. So it would be cool if we could have a con that we like return to like once, a, you know, one that we get to reoccur hosts and we can preferably in the region that we like to frequent because then we can watch our cosplay children grow because that was our favorite part about judging and running contests. There's so many new techniques that we have not had the time to dive deep into and we understand how to do them. Yes. But, you know, I'm not a 3D printer. I don't make my own shoes. I don't know how to weave fabric. You know, I can work with EVA foam and I'm in thermoplastic and stuff, but I wouldn't say I'm an expert at it. I understand how it works. I know how to do it. I have enough knowledge to judge it. I know how it's clean versus not clean and finished and all of that. But I don't have all these extensive techniques that people are doing when there's plenty of people who do. Like, I get it. If you can if you can grab somebody who literally does this full time, why wouldn't you? For the same price. Yes. Like, absolutely. Why wouldn't you? And I don't intend to. I don't care about 3D printing. Like, I don't want to learn how to do it. I don't care about it. I don't. I get that it's useful. It's not going to be my thing. Um, um, that means that I would have to buy a 3D well, printer. Well, and that's my thing. Is I don't want to buy not... a 3D printer because I look at the stuff that I want to make and most of it doesn't require it. And I like to do things by hand. I'm not a big fan of like computer drafting. So I think I would really enjoy 3D printing if I got into it. It's just one of those things that I haven't. Yeah. There's one thing that I would maybe 3D print um, for the other mother. And that would be it. Um, because I don't know how else to do the hands. But other than that, I'm just not I'm not super interested in it. I, I get the very basics of leather, but I definitely have not really ever worked with it. You know, there's just people who have larger repertoires of crafting than we do. We're definitely qualified to judge a contest if we are assigned to, but there's just people who have deeper experience than we do that could be hired. We get it. And, and obviously that's not what makes a good judge, as we've talked about before, how you work with the contestants, your reliability, your experience in terms of like time with cosplay also plays a big factor and we just we'd we'd rather be doing entertainment with the two of us like when we started out i was specializing in these things and you were specializing in these other things and then we started dabbling like crisscross like we've talked about where we're cross training or whatever you want to call it and you know while you might be better at this and I might be better at this or I might be faster at this and you might be faster at this or, you know, however you want to put it, quality and efficiency in certain areas, like, we complement each other in those ways. But there are so many new skills that we have not needed or had the interest in learning yet that I feel like, especially for, like, a large contest, I would want to know more about in order to better round myself out as a judge. I mean, we're hoping to take some time to be able to do that um, and kind of learn some new things, try to find, like, our new niche in this ever-changing world of competition that's changed so much in three years. It's not even funny. Well, because 2023 just fell apart. Like, we were supposed to have time for those kind of things, and I was Mm -hmm. very sick, and it just, it fell apart. I didn't get 
Ugi should have been done months ago. Um, Steed should have been done. And I should have either been working on, like, one of our future internationals or getting one of my, like, half-started projects like Sinbad done. Like, that all should have been months ago. And I've been sick since April. So it didn't happen. Exploring techniques. I mean, you've just been insanely busy. So none of these things happened. Like They just didn't happen. And we're also trying to explore new types of performance. And because those techniques are more interesting to me than crafting. Crafting, sure. So... So you're also may or may not see us compete frequently, but then I also did math and I think I counted four to five possible competitions for at least myself. So maybe you will. You're just not going to see us be like, we're going to take a year plus to do this one contest, I think. Is, right. Is what you're we not might just see. do some stuff for so, the funsies. So we're going to accept that the fact that we're probably also not going to win. Which we've talked about. Which we've talked about before, like. No, we're not doing the international level of crazy for a regular contest, which means we're probably going to lose because people are. Oh, there will be some somebody that shows up that does. You know, that's accepted. Which is totally fine. Like if and thing is, if I'm going to go that crazy, I'm going to an international contest. Like, that's the thing. I don't have that many things left that I want to make that are that. Yeah. That if I'm going to go to that level, I'm going to go to an international. Yeah. I'm just going to hold on to it until I can go to the international because it's not worth it to me, to go to a regular contest when I could go to an international. You're definitely not going to see us at an international year because we can't go to either con that has them. And we're certainly not going to AX. So, not. yeah, not oh, going to happen. No. Um, so you're more likely to see us doing entertainment. We are exploring the possibility of using an agent as well. So we will talk to you guys oh, about yeah. that. We were approached by an agent. Uh, undecided, but maybe. Undecided. We may, we may have that meeting and, and discuss what that looks like. I actually used to be a talent agent, so I understand like how it's supposed to work. And this person is a previous contact of ours from back in the day. Yeah, we've known them for years. Yeah, and years so and... I, as, as a previous talent agent, um, I know exactly how it's supposed to work. Because your agent doesn't get paid unless you get paid. I will say that again. Your agent does not get paid unless you get paid. So if somebody asks you for an agency sign-up fee, that's a red flag. Um, and if this is a topic that like interests all of you, like let me know, because I worked in New York City for like three years as a talent agent and then in public relations. Surprise! <laughs> I went to theater school, and then this is what I did, and then I ran out of money, and I went back to the Midwest. <laughs> Funny enough, not the most stressful job I've had, even though it was pretty, pretty, it was very Devil Wars Prada. Not gonna lie, <laughs> the talent agency was very Devil Wears Prada. I got squirted a lot. That was a thing. I love the Devil Wears Prada. That's an amazing movie. Like that is legit how things work in the industry. <laughs> I love, I love the speech that she gives about stuff. But also, uh, yes, we may explore that option. Um, but right now, really, even with like the opportunities that we have, plus the conventions that we're like considering just going to because we want to, we're pretty full. 2024 like if these pendings go through i don't know how many more i would want to pick up anyway um but it might be worth a conversation having um just because you keep your doors open absolutely well and there's the possibility that we could always use that not necessarily in 2024 but in in future years or something like that yeah in order to get into maybe some geographic locations yes. that we just haven't. Yes, because this particular person can get us outside of the Midwest, which would be nice. Or assist us in getting out of the Midwest, or attempt to. 
Um, but we would not I mean, cause be because we we know some people here. Right. But we would not be signing on as cosplayers. We'd be signing on as entertainers. They do not want anything to do with us as cosplayers. So, <laughs> I mean, again, <laughs> totally get it. Yeah. yeah. For um, real. So I'm sure there are probably a lot of questions. So I'm going to throw the submission form in the show notes and it'll be on our Facebook post and it'll be in the Instagram stories. We can do a follow up on this because I feel like people probably have more questions. But the takeaway is submitting did nothing. It's all about who you know and don't be a cosplayer. That's it. That's it, guys. That's it. So when we return... We will return with season five at the end of March with our Anime Milwaukee episode. We would like to announce that we are the MCs for Anime Milwaukee 2024. So we will be doing opening and closing ceremonies as well as co-hosting the masquerade with the great Yaya Han, which is wild. Um, hey, queen. We used to go to ASEN back in the day when Yaya used to go to ASEN. <laughs> I feel like we should talk to her about old Aizen. Um, old I think we should, because I'm pretty sure she also hits 25 years of cosplay this year, because I think she started in 99 when we did. So, Or she might have like a year or two on us, I'm not sure. But um, we definitely used to attend Aizen when she, like, we used to see her in the hallways and be like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I remember, so like, I remember back when she, quote unquote, first got famous, and I was like, oh my god, it's yeah, yeah. That was like fifteen or twenty. That was oh like my god, it was like twenty plus years 15 ago. Fifteen or twenty years yes. ago. Yes, we'll have to we'll know. have to reminisce about back in the day. I mean, I can only imagine she's had the same conversations with Zach and Jim. <laughs> my goodness, yes. Because I'm pretty sure we also looked at Zach and Jim and went, "Can you believe we're still doing this?" I know. <laughs> like twenty five years later, it's so craziness. We will see all of you at Anime Milwaukee. We are doing the live show as well. Um, hey, uh, Friday night, live show, full show, new closer. So different one from North. Be there. Abbas. Yes. Abbas. Come to opening and closing. We'll be doing all sorts of things. I know they're very early and very late, but come join us. Typically openings around 11 a.m. and closings around 5. So stay. Shenanigans with us. Hang out. Join us for shenanigans. So in between, there will be um, multiple bonus episodes to sustain you until we can return as we try to get caught up with everything return at the end of march but hopefully we see some of you at anime milwaukee i am ash i'm l we are lobby cosplay and this is shenanigans cosplayers say you've been listening to shenanigans cosplayers say produced by lvc productions you can find us on facebook Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube at Lavi Cosplay. Our podcast Instagram is Podcast SCS. Our website is LaviCosplay.com. Have a fun, crazy con or cosplay related story, absurd cosplay question, or just something in general to share with us? Email us at PodcastSCS at gmail.com. Or DM us at Podcast SCS or Lavi Cosplay on Instagram. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and remember, 
just because you can doesn't mean you should.